Episode 133 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It's a true community. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates, as well as their own. The overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle, but with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi offers an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to other partners, trainers, Bloodstock advisors, and other members of the team. Adelphi has very limited remaining shares available in a couple of exciting two-year-old prospects, including a New York Red Colt by Red Hot Sire Lauban named Gem Mint 10, who has already shipped into trainer Ray Handel's Belmont Barn. Ray thinks he's very forward and should be making the early two-year-old races later this season. And a Tapper Colt, with which, in which yours truly has a a piece of named Magistrate, who is currently in training down at Kinsman Farm in Ocala, and will be trained by Christoph Clement. This Colt is bred and built to run all day, and is an exciting prospect for this summer or fall. Please join the Adelphi Racing Club, and you can see on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. All the information to get in touch with Adelphi Racing Club manager Matt Cuter, his website, email, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, let's start Derby Week and episode 133 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Good evening and welcome to episode 133 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. It is Derby Week. Let's go. I am excited. I hope you are too. We have a lot of people watching already. Thanks for joining us tonight. Please make sure, first of all, you subscribe right there on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. As my co-host Paul Halloran put on on Twitter, we are so close. We're like 13 subscribers away from the big 1,000, which is a really uh, big, important goal for someone that starts on YouTube. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom right-hand side of the screen if you are not a subscriber. And then also hit that notification bell so you know when new content arises. And, of course, also smash that thumbs-up button. That'll tell YouTube this is an exciting show to watch. You can follow me on Twitter on my name, on my name tag, at... H. Kravitz. And at the bottom of the screen, you'll see my email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. A lot of exciting things to talk about. Let's go ahead and first, very quickly, tell you what's happening this week on the show as I go ahead and uh, bring up some information here. Let's talk about this week, first of all. On the show this week, as I go ahead and share my screen here. There we go, folks. This week, we have six-plus hours. That's right. The best YouTube live podcast you're going to find for horse racing. Six-plus hours of live coverage. Expert, nationally known, uh, renowned handicappers. Video replays and stats. We're going to talk about horizontal bets like pick fours, pick fives, pick sixes, and vertical bets. 
such as trifectas, superfectas, etc., and plays for the Oaks and the Derby. Also, there is the lineup for this week. Of course, today we're going to be talking about post-position conversation for the Oaks and Derby. Also, we'll be discussing race flow and paces for these races. And we're going to talk about the bottom 10 Derby horses by the, uh, by not the projected, by the actual now morning line odds. And I don't know if you saw some tweets from me today. Uh, the morning lines, yikes. <laughs> not very uh, good job personally, but we'll talk about that. Then tomorrow, we're going to talk about the top 10 Derby horses by the morning line odds. We'll go into detail on those top 10 horses. Then on Wednesday, I'm very excited. It will be exclusively talking about the Kentucky Oaks Day card and stakes with specific to the late pick five with a fantastic guest, Frank Mustari, who is a nationally renowned handicapper and winner of many contests and a big surprise. I can't tell you what it's going to be. Even our co-hosts do not know who's coming on Wednesday. And then finally, Thursday will be specific to the Kentucky Derby Day with uh, stakes and emphasis on late pick five. You can see detailed analysis of the Derby with, how about this, the 2021 NHC champion, Justin Mustari, son of Frank Mustari. It'll be Justin's first time on the show. We're going to get great information from the NHC champion. I don't know about you. doesn't get much better than that for a lineup, ladies and gentlemen. So that's our lineup. Also, we have a lot of people watching. Please make sure you comment in the live chat on the top right-hand side of the screen. Let's see who's here. Christine is here. Christine, thanks for joining the show. Um, Barry O'Brien. Barry, where am I watching the Derby? That's actually a great question. It's, it is to be determined. I'm actually not sure yet, uh, Barry. Uh, Charles B. is here. We have Tanya. Well, not just 1K, Tanya. I agree. I mean, 1,000 would be awesome. I want to get to 2, 3, 4K. Please make sure you do that. Jim Pilar is fantastic. Um, Jim is here. A 10.30 first-time post. Am I going to take off work that day? Shh. I'm a full-time teacher, Jim. I can't take work off. What are you talking about? Uh, James Quinn is here. James, thank you for joining the show. Dean is here. Guys, we have a lot of people already, so please make sure you comment in the chat. A uh, few other quick promos I want to talk about before we bring on our uh, guest tonight. We have a podcast pool going on. Actually, I need to go ahead and bring back uh, that previous screen that I want to bring. So just hold on one second, please. If you don't know, we have a podcast pool going on. Podcast pool number four has started. If you're not familiar with the, prod, with the podcast pool, the easiest thing to do is look below the video player just click the show more button below the video player and there's information or you can email me hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Now is the perfect time to join podcast pool number four and you have until Friday noon Eastern time. Again, you have until Friday noon Eastern time is the deadline for the podcast pool. We put group tickets together and also we're putting a $1 super effective bet in the Kentucky Derby. However, if you want to, play the $1 Superfecta group ticket, you must be a part of the podcast pool. Again, if you want to play the $1 Superfecta ticket in the Derby, you must be a part of the podcast pool. You can find about details below. And just to let you know, we have a lot of people already part. Let me read very quickly. Are you listening, 
and, and viewing out there. These are the people that are already part of podcast pool number four and the Superfective bet. Leonard W., David L.A., William C., Mark D.E., Derek P., Donald R., Joe S., Ken Z., John L., Matt M., Brad A., Richard B., Ramon C., Tim B., Joseph W., Paul C., Steve H., and Lee F. All those people are already part of the pool. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to announce as of 810 Eastern Standard Time here on Monday, we have already collected, are you ready? Drum roll, anyone. Over $2,000 for the $1 Superfective bet already. Let's keep it going, folks, as we need a lot of money. It's a very difficult uh, play uh, to hit. So, again, please join us on the podcast pool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that takes care. I'm just looking at my rundown here of everything I wanted to uh, promo. There's other promos below the video player. My wonderful co-hosts are are anxiously awaiting to get on, so let me go ahead and uh, bring them on here in just a moment. Uh, one of our uh, co-hosts, by the way, smashed, smashed the late pick five at San Anita uh, on Saturday. And by the way, if you are a current member of the Race Day blog, let me just bring that up too. Real quick, I have to do this, folks, because the Race Day blog was absolutely on fire. If you subscribe to the Race Day blog right now, comment in the chat on how good the Race Day blog was this past Saturday. It's a it's only cost $12.99 the entire month. What happens is every Saturday, I give you spot plays, price plays, ABC grids, pick fours, pick fives, and the podcast pool smashed the pick five uh, at Sat, uh, at Sandy this Saturday for $3,100, and I had a $14 horse, a $20 horse. Uh, the podcast pool was, excuse me, the race day blog was outstanding, if I may say so. But don't listen to me. Other people will chime in and talk about how good the podcast pool. Please, you can uh, sign up there on Patreon, and now is a great time to do that as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring them on here. We have two fantastic co-hosts. Uh, that are going to join me right now as I double-check everything, make sure we're good to go, and we are good to go. From the East Coast, let's bring them on, Pete Visco and Paul Halloran. Gentlemen, how you doing tonight? Welcome to Derby Week. Oh, welcome. Pete, great job on Saturday. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Howard. Of course, I was at a family wedding doing nothing, although I did hit the <laughs> last race at Belmont. But uh, anyway, we all have our crosses to bear. Pete, are you ready for uh, Derby Week? How much of that 6,200 do you plan on dumping into uh, Oaks and Derby Weekend? <laughs> well, unfortunately, unfortunately, only half was mine because I was dumb enough to bring in a friend of mine as a partner. So I, I was regretting that after the fact. And then, you know, I left a nice little chunk in the account for Friday and Saturday for sure. There you go. Uh, Paul, by the way, you might want to turn the light a little bit down behind you. It's a little bright. You can certainly have it on, but it's just... Uh... I don't know if it's possible to turn down or move it over a little bit. Yeah, Either let way. me work on that. Or not, no problem. <laughs> All right, Paul's going to go. Let me. I'm, I'm just going to remove Paul here real quick from the uh, screen. Uh, Pete, uh, what are you most looking forward to here for uh, the Oaks and the Derby? Which race do you think is more interesting from a betting perspective? I mean, it's sort of it's sort of probably against the law to say the Derby is not the bigger event, but the Oaks is going to be fantastic too. I mean, I think the Oaks is the better race. I think it has the the top heavier horses where you can get excited about. I think we talked about it last week where there's a there's there's 
basically you got speed, you have mid pack, you got closers and they're all of the top horses. So it should make it for an interesting actual race. The Derby. I love, I love the 20 horse field. I love the, just the betting opportunities and you can't go wrong. I mean, even if you like the favorite, if you hook it with the right other horses, you're, you can get paid. So not too many races that we have in America afford you that opportunity. So I'm looking forward for both for just for different reasons, maybe. Uh, yeah, by the way, Paul, you're muted. Just to let you know, I'm sure you'll go ahead and put that mic on when you're ready. Uh, the first thing we're going to be talking about, gentlemen, is going to be the Kentucky Oaks. we got a lot of things to do. Just so everyone knows at home, if you're watching live or if you're listening later on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, we're going to plan to go to approximately 9.15 this evening. And, uh, and the same thing, maybe only about 9 o'clock uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday will be uh, longer shows. We're definitely going to go to probably about 9.30 uh, Eastern time because we're going to be going through the races. Uh, Paul, I'm going to go ahead right now here, if you give me a moment, and we're going to talk about the Oaks first. Let me go ahead and bring up first the uh, field uh, for the Oaks, and then we're going to be uh, talking about, obviously, how the post positions and the race flow work. So, everyone, right now we're going to be bringing up – let me go ahead and take this banner down here. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the field – for the Kentucky Oaks 2022. And there it is. I'm going to leave you guys on the screen there. You've got Secret Oath, Nostalgic, Hidden Connection, the Moyline Favorite. And I don't know about you guys, I thought a little bit low for the Moyline Favorite. Nest, 5 to 2, Goddess of Fire. Uguri and Echo Zulu, fascinating. Two main speeds are right next to each other. Venti Valentine, Desert Dawn, Kathleen O. Cocktail Moments, Candy Raid, Shahama. And Turner Loose. Now, for everyone, again, we are not going to be specifically handicapping the Kentucky Oaks tonight. Uh, if you followed us on uh, on episode 132, uh, we did go through the entire Oaks field in pretty good detail. Tonight, we're only talking about what we think of the post positions and the race flow, etc. So, Paul, let me go to you first, sir. You see the post right there. Uh, did anyone in your mind get a very favorable post? Uh, a favorable post or an unlucky post position? Uh, I don't think anything drastic, Howard. I, I think uh, uh, Askerson has to be pleased with uh, Echo Zulu being right uh, in the middle at number seven. Uh, these bigger fields, uh, it, it seems like the closer you are to the middle, uh, the better off you are. Um, Secret Oath, uh, the one is, you know, even in an only 14-horse field, you, you can't think that Wayne Lucas is uh, too thrilled to be with the one um, hidden connection who I'm of course rooting for. Cause of our friend Ray Lou uh, probably a little further inside than uh, I would have liked, but I'm still planning on cashing that three fourteen Oaks Derby double. Uh, and the horse that I'm really interested in, and Pete and I talked about this last week, uh, Shahama uh, 13 out of 14. Uh, I'm not overly thrilled with that either. I don't know what you thought about that Pete. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mind the 13 for her because I think she I mean, again, the, the, we don't know against the talent she's necessarily running against. But I like that she she could come from the back. She could sit mid pack. She actually moves between horses pretty well. So I, I thought it wasn't that bad. I'm not a huge Oaks guy in terms of the the P, the post positions. Um, I think obviously there are some that are better. I agree with you on Secret Oath. I think it's tough for her and Nostalgic being too mostly back from the back closers. I mean, Secret Oath maybe gets a little closer, but having Hidden Connection Nest 
Yuguri, Echo Zulu, Venti Valentine, all potential speed or sit off horses, they're probably going to shuffle that one and two back. So they're going to have to really work out some trips from there. So, Paul, when I saw the uh, and by the way, I was I was, of course, working today, but there's a small chance that while my students were doing some work, I might have taken a little a peek at the uh, at the uh, at the computer. Uh, but anyway, that's OK. The, my my bosses understand they're going to have uh, a lot of quizzes, a lot of quizzes this week. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, this week. <laughs> Uh, you Not know, much learning is going on this week. <laughs> oh, you know, l- listen, all week long, take out your worksheet, folks. Mr. Krebs has to do some grading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, now, listen. So, Paul, I, th- this is what's fascinating most about this Oaks field. Uh, Guri and Echo Zulu, the two main speeds are right next to each other. Um, let's talk about the connections of Echo Zulu. If you're the connections of Echo Zulu, would you prefer to draw inside or outside of Yuguri is my first question. And my second question, you got to believe Echo Zulu might just by accident come over a little bit at the start of the race, uh, i.e. I. Bayern. We've seen that uh, before. <laughs> I would rather be outside myself. Uh, and, and, and I do agree, although I did say the seven is a good post. It's probably not ideal to be right next to that horse, uh, Echo Zulu. I mean, uh, Uguri, because I agree with you, Howard. I think Uguri is uh, potentially the real speed of this race. But, um, you know, which would uh, maybe require Echo Zulu to sit right off of her, in which case I, I think I'd rather be a little outside than inside. And Pete, what do you feel about the the rail for Secret Oath? Now, this is only a 14-horse field, but I mean, there's a good chance she might get shuffled back. Do you think Secret Oath might show a little more speed than normal? What would be your plan if you uh, were part of the connections of Secret Oath here? I mean, I have to think they're not happy with it because, I mean, showing too much speed against horses who have much more natural speed is going to be tough. And you don't want to take your horse. Basically, you don't want to take them out of what got them here. So I don't think she's going to really want to push too much because I'm not sure that'll that'll help her out for that for that last that last furlong, that late kick, which she maybe struggled with a little bit in the, in the Arkansas Derby. So I can't imagine they're happy. I, like I said, I think the one and the two potentially are just going to get shuffled back naturally because there is natural speed to the right of them. I wanted to show this. I thought this would be fascinating. Again, if you are listening as a replay on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, I will try very hard this week to actually say a little bit more what's on the screen. So if you're watching live, bear with me. What I'm showing right now is the running style. Now, this is based on what Churchill Downs has sent out. This is not, I'm not saying this is what, uh, you know, any speed figure in particular says, whether you favor, you know, time form or Aquabase early late pace of Brisnet. I'm I'm pretty sure that Churchill Downs used Brisnet. So I think this is based on Brisnet. Uh, Pete, when you see this, they have Echo Zulu and Yuguri as the main speed. And then of course, some of the stalkers there. Uh, let's talk about the stalkers, Pete. Of the stalkers on that list, Ness is the morning line favorite, uh, but he's inside of the other speed. You think that might cause a little bit of a problem? No, I think Nest, at least Nest is shown till now to be able to work out her own trip. So, of course, it, it potentially could. But I think if she can nestle, well, no pun intended, if she could <laughs> nestle behind behind the speed, then I, I think she'll be fine. She's shown a she's shown a good kick and a good ability to sort of move through horses. And I think she has an ability to to work her trip. And especially if Echo Zulu and Ujiri 
sort of tire themselves out and, and maybe hook up a little bit, then, I mean, then you're just going to be fine. You just don't want to get stuck behind and get sort of stuck behind dying horses. But I think as long as Nest works like a two, three wide trip, I think she'll be fine. Yeah. Hidden Connection is right inside Nest. I got to be honest, as a big Nest fan, I'm a little bit worried that he might get, or excuse me, she might get a little crowding. I, I don't, I, the fact that she's just basically inside the two speeds, I'm a little bit concerned, I have to say, but I'm, I'm assuming there, you know, I think she might be a little bit further back than she was in the Ashland. That's just my opinion, because I don't think she wants to cut up, you know, get caught up in between horses in a faster pace. Paul, a horse I know you're interested in. Again, we're not going to get in details of handicapping, you know, who we like on top, etc. But Paul, I know I mentioned, uh, you mentioned in the last episode that you have some interest in the New York bred Venti Valentine, who is, um, as you can see here by the running styles, and I'll go ahead, I'll leave this on just for another few minutes here, uh, is right outside the two speeds. I think it's a great pose for Venti Valentine. Yeah, I think she got a good post, Howard. You know, as I said, I'm very uh, transparent. Uh, I'm a New York uh, bred guy, so I'm always, I was sad to see Unoho scratch today, even though he had no chance in the race, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I would agree with you on the post. Um you know, if this chart that you have up, Howard, is correct. Oh, sorry. You know, I'll go gotta, back to it. Go ahead. I'll yeah, go back just, to it. If that's somewhat accurate, you know, going a mile and an eighth, I want those <laughs> – I want the horses in those first two columns, to be honest. Although, I, I, you know, I am – I think I'm going to bet Shahama. But my point is that's that's not a lot of – a speed to close into again if, if this materializes. I think Venti Valentine uh, in this particular race could be closer to an early speed than a stalker, to be honest with you. Yeah, by the way, we, we've uh, whoops, sorry, I want to show it. Uh, Raymond Cromley, just want to give some uh, props to some people that I've not seen on the chat um, either in a while or at all. So, Raymond, thanks for joining. There are a lot of well bred horses uh, this weekend, uh, Raymond, for sure. So, um, no question about that. Um, all right. I'm just going to go ahead up. Oh, we got, we got, will it be the boat Calvin bow rail ride for uh secret oath. We'll see. I, I'm just going to say Christine and we'll get more into the handicapping as I go ahead and bring back the, um, the field. Uh, I will say in general, I'm a little bit against secret oath. I think she might be a little over the top. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure I feel, um, Let's, gentlemen, before we talk about the Kentucky uh, Derby, these morning lines. You got Kathleen O is the second choice, seven to two. Uh, Pete, anything stick out to you in terms of the morning lines? Yeah, I was I was surprised. I mean, I, I thought I think we talked about it last week where I thought theoretically you could have made any of the four top choices the favorite. And I don't think it would have been a complete shock where that doesn't happen that often. But I was surprised. And you mentioned this earlier that Nest was five to two. I was thinking maybe favoritism wouldn't be any lower than seven to two. So that was the one that surprised me the most. The order of the favoritism wasn't that shocking. I mean, it's, I think you could have put those four in almost any order and, and you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have necessarily been wrong, but I think the five to two on Nest really, really surprised me. Uh, Paul, outside of Shahama, which I know you like, let's say someone said, Paul, I need a double digit morning line horse to win outside of Shahama based on the morning lines. Who would you be most interested in, in terms of a double digit odds horse right now? Uh, definitely nostalgic uh, with that question. 
I agree with you, by the way, 100%. That was mine, too, of course. There you go. Me. Everyone just go to the windows All right, and bet so nostalgic. Rest <laughs> in peace, nostalgic. Yeah. She might not even make it to the gate with that Poor jinx Bill there. Mott. I'll yeah. apologize to Bill at Saratoga <laughs> this summer. By the way, by the way, former uh, race day blog horse, just want to throw that out there. Um, I think I, I touted her. I think she was what four to one or about nine to two. Um, I, I thought hidden connection was a little bit high. I mean, I don't really love her, but twenty to one seems awfully high to me for a horse that might be improving and gets a great post too. I thought hidden well, connection was going to be. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. I was just going to say I thought she'd be the fifth choice and and sort of the the obvious fifth choice. And and. You know, and we'll talk about Howard's overreaction to the morning line uh, in a little <laughs> bit. But if you're looking at this race, this hidden connection being five times the odd of ex- odds of Echo Zulu is more egregious than anything you're going to see in the Derby. He lost by she lost by a nose last time. Uh, head, no, I, head I, on head. <laughs> uh I think I can find a few things even more egregious than that, but it, but it was not good, uh, gentlemen. Before we get into the uh, talk about the Kentucky Derby post editions, which we'll talk about a little longer for obvious reasons. Any final thoughts, Paul or Pete? Again, just solely on the odds or how these posts might affect the pace. Uh, Pete, just real quick, is the pace going to be faster or slower or about what you'd figure based on these post positions? I'm hoping based on the post positions, it's it's as fast as I hope it's going to be because of the six and the seven and even the eight potentially being all next to each other that they're just going to hopefully fire out to try and do what they need to do. And then once they hook up, sometimes they they get a little carried away. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, I, I will say one thing. This is fascinating. And we've seen this a million times. I've talked about on this show. I'm going to I'm going to bring us actually I'm going to go back to our just three shot here. I've talked about this on this show. And if you're new to the HHH Racing Podcast, we have a record number of people watching right now. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I hope you join us the rest of the week and subscribe uh, to the show on the bottom right hand side of the screen. I've talked about this handicapping many times. Uh, Paul, I'm going to direct this towards you. I've always felt if there's two main speeds in a race. That does not guarantee a pace duel because it only takes one of them to either not break or take back a little bit or whatever. For me, in my years of handicapping, I need to see three main speeds for, for myself to assure uh, a fast pace. With two, Paul, I mean, if, one of the, if the six or the seven does not break great, uh, one of those horses, especially Akuzulu, could absolutely get loose. I would agree, Howard. The only caveat I would give to that in, in a race like the Oaks of the Derby with so much at stake and such a spotlight on it. I think the jockeys are more apt to uh, stick to that plan than they would be say in a New York turf race where they lope around at 52 seconds for the half mile, you know, when you're expecting three of them to go together and someone goes out in 51 and two, and you start ripping your virtual ADW tickets. So, uh, but I, I, I do think, I agree with you, Howard. I, I think the way that this looks, I'm kind of against Echo Zulu. We talked about that extensively last week. Um, I do think the last 16th of a mile is going to be a problem for her. I don't hear the confidence in Astrosen's voice talking about her that I hear when he talks about Epicenter. Um, 
having said all of that, I'm probably a little less against her now looking at race flow. And, and one of the things, speaking of race flow, I think the real wild card here is Kathleen O. You know, the horse we thought could have been the favorite. She's not far off. I think she's seven or two, right? You know, look, at, I'm not a workout expert, although I love doing nothing for the last two weeks between 7 and 8 a.m. other than watching the, the derby show and watching the workouts and pretending to be an expert. And Shug McGahey, who is an expert and a Hall of Famer, says that this isn't a great workhorse. Uh, having said all of that, if you listen to the people who do watch works for a living, the horse did not really have a good work on Saturday. 47-4, and four, out a minute, didn't pass her mate, uh, and I'm not even positive whoever that was, you know, again, my feeling is if you're going to take the time and invest into watching all these works, you might as well pay attention a little. So um, having said all of that, I think we talked about last week that, you know, coming off the four races she's coming off, she's never been beaten. So I really have very, very mixed emotions about Kathleen O. Um, I just want to – I think this is an excellent um, comment by Jim, and then we're going to get on to the Derby. Uh, let's talk about the weather because I'm a big weather. I'm one of those weird guys who likes to watch the weather channel. I actually know quite a bit about, uh, weather. It was, I was almost one to become a weatherman. I, I really enjoy, uh, the, the, uh, the earth's atmosphere. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> without getting into that minutia, uh, the weather is starting to not look real good. At least what I saw, there's definitely going to be rain Thursday. I saw on Twitter up to maybe an inch of rain Thursday, Friday was supposed to be clearing out by midday. Now I'm seeing it might not. Um, and Saturday, at least in the morning, doesn't look great. So I would highly recommend just, you know, Jim is asking about what the rail might do, etc. But, you know, I, I would highly recommend uh, that you pay attention to the weather, at least how much rain they're getting. I'm expecting the turf course to be yielding on Friday for sure. Uh, maybe in some of the early races taken off the turf, if they're allowance races. And I haven't looked at detail of the fields yet, or the, the uh, card yet. Uh, Saturday, the turf is going to be, you know, I'd say good to yielding. And in terms of the dirt, I think Friday might be mud, guys. We'll see. Now, how does that affect the, uh, you know, the post positions? We have no idea. I know, you know, like a lot of tracks, when it gets muddy, sometimes the rail gets really good. And I know Churchill is notorious for a very fast drying surface so you know they can they can dry that surface pretty quickly but i've seen the rail be you know like a highway when it gets wet there at churchill so i don't know jim the answer to the questions we have no idea we're just gonna have to see uh gentlemen are we ready to see the field for the kentucky derby here we go let's go ahead and bring that up right now on the screen there it is here's the field for this year's the 2022 kentucky derby you got Mo Donegal, Happy Jack, Epicenter, Summer is Tomorrow, Smile Happy, Messier, Crown Pride, Charge It, Tis the Bomb, Zandon, there's your top ten. Then we got Pioneer of Medina, Taba, Simplification, Barber Road, White Abario, Cyberknife, Classic Causeway, Tawny Port, Zozos, and Ethereal Road rounds out the field for the 2022 Kentucky Derby. Now, before we talk about, let me go ahead and, again, this is just opinion. This is just the opinion of Churchill Downs. Peter and Paul have not seen this, by the way. Again, I believe this is based on the Brisnet early pace figs. This is the running styles, according to Churchill Downs. They put this out. 
Again, this is not my opinion, Pete's opinion, or Paul's opinion. They've got uh, six horses that they determine are pretty much early speeds or need to have the lead type. Summer's Tomorrow, Messier, Classic Causeway, Zozos, uh, Pyre, Medina, and Epicenter. Some of these horses on the inside, some of these horses on the outside. I'm not going to run through everything. You see the stalkers according, again, to Brisnet and Churchill Downs, and then the off-the-pace horses. I'm going to go ahead and go back to the post positions, then we can bring this back. And, uh, Paul, I'm going to have you uh, go first. I bring back the field. Paul, when you either watched live or you heard about the field, what's one of the first things that came to mind to you in terms of post positions? Well, I was watching live, Howard, but I uh, but I was at my office, but I wasn't pretending to be doing work. I was just outright uh, watching it live. Um, well, I think Zandon drew great number 10. You know, my only fear about Zandon is, you know, everyone in America loves him. Speaking of the workouts, he's just he's coming into the race. Uh, unbelievable. You know, I thought the horses who didn't have much of a shot drew poorly. You know, Tony Port. 18, Ferial Road, 20. You know, Zozos, I kind of thought had a puncher's chance to be underneath, I, I think a little less, probably coming from the 19. Interestingly, interestingly, for a horse who has a shot, Mo Donegal's probably the best horse to draw the rail. Uh, he's going to be coming from behind. You're not going to run into the rail if you break straight coming out of the one like you used to with Churchill Downs in the Derby till they got the 20 yeah. horse gate. We're he gonna came talk up about the that rail. Too. Go ahead. He came up the rail in the wood. Um, you know, he's got IRAD on him. You know, again, do, do I think Todd Fletcher wanted to draw the one? No. But of the horses, I think a lot of horses, you look at the one and say, perhaps not much of a shot. I, I don't think it hurts Mo Donegal as much as it would would hurt most horses. I've got some nice surprises for Paul and Pete. And Pete, I am to show. We are going to talk about the spreadsheet that you sent me. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Paul, I got to push back because that's part of horse racing. Uh, how did that work out for known agenda last year? Well, <laughs> come on, work come out. on, bring it, it on, did, Paul. <laughs> it, it didn't work out well for known agenda, but I don't think known agenda was the exact style horse that this is. Um, I think Mo Donegal has a much better chance in the last quarter of a mile than known agenda would have had from coming that far back. Um, so, do you, again, so if you're, if you're, do they just completely take back and, and just, and try to avoid getting bumped and shuffled at all? Or do you use a little bit of speed early just to maintain some kind of position, Paul? Yeah, I think again, with the gate being the way it is, I think in the old days, how you, you had to go a little bit, because as I say, if you had the one, you would run into the rail. So now you look at this is the new gate. So you run a straight line coming out of the one, you're fine. Remember, when they had the auxiliary gate, if you came the the one gate as you're looking at the your one screen, was like right was probably here where about, my cursor is. It was crazy. Probably about eight feet to the right, right? Just yeah, it's uh, right. Maybe more. Sorry, let me. The, if you guys can see my cursor, it was the one hole was about where this gentleman is standing. That's not in the tan, like literally, like right here. Actually, oh, I, I think the so. tan guy, Howard, if you ran a straight line, you would have like right here, rail. baby. It was brutal. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so having said that, I don't think they have to try to use him at all early, um, knowing this, the, the, the way he wants to run. Now, 
you know, do you want to have to pass 19 horses? <laughs> that's, that, that's the question that Mr. Pletcher and Mr. Ortiz have to answer. Yeah, the, the one is definitely, I'm so glad you brought that up, Paul, which is why I have that shot already prepared as my, as my producers and directors, which is me. <laughs> I had that ready because I knew you would make a great comment about that. The one is not nearly as bad as it has been. That being said, though, Pete, there's still a good chance, you know, horse is going to come over. He's going to bump shuffle back. It is not ideal. To me, clearly, of all the possible winners, Modongal definitely got the worst of it. To me, Pete. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, though, the, although I agree with the, some people said in the chat and sort of what Paul said, I don't think it's the worst horse to get it in the race. So, I mean, obviously the one hole is not ideal for any horse, but I think if you could have picked one who was a contender, I think Mo Donegal was okay because he doesn't need to be close. So he doesn't have to break like a shot. Doesn't have to use too much, but I, I can't remember somebody correct me. If was I rad, wasn't he on known agenda? Cause known agenda was my, he was right. Yeah, I believe so. Cause known agenda was my pre derby pick before the draw. And me too, Pete. Yeah, well, of course, of course, Paul, we went down in flames together. So the the thing I didn't like about his ride last time from the one was I thought he didn't use him enough. He didn't take advantage. I thought there was space in front of him and he sort of just took back naturally, expecting everyone to come over. And I didn't think they did. So I'm wondering if this time maybe he'll be a little more cognizant to say, hey, not everyone's on their way over. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say that for me when there's 20 horses bounding around. But if he maybe says, hey, I do have a little space, let me at least work a trip to, you know, even if I could be between 10 and 15 and not 15 and 20 or 18, 19, 20, then I think he'd be in a better position to maybe weave his way through. I, I don't I think it hurts him for the win, but I think I don't think it hurts him for hitting the board for sure. Okay. Uh, by the way, everyone watching live, please comment on the top right-hand side of the screen in the chat um, who got the best of the post, who got the worst of the post. Just overall, your opinion of the post. Again, we're not handicapping the race today. That'll be on Thursday. We're just strictly talking about post position right now and pace flow. Um, Epicenter, I have a strong backing on. Uh, I've talked about on the show. I have a, I'm in for $1,500 if he wins on a future bet. Um, the three is not ideal. But he's going to save ground. So I really don't have any problem with Epicenter, guys, other than the fact that Summer is tomorrow, who is absolutely going to be sent and is pretty fast, is just to his outside. I do not like when the horse that you want to have win or run well has a speed horse just to their outside because invariably these horses are going to come over a little bit. It just seems to happen all the time. Uh, Messier, I thought, got a, a, a perfectly fine post. Um, I will say, we'll talk more about this Thursday. Guys, I was all ready to use Mo Donegal uh, on the top of my Superfective bet. I, I don't know. I'm, I might have to reassess. I was really disappointed with Mo Donegal getting the rail. I don't know who I would sub him in for, but I, I just, I, I hear everything you're saying, Paul. And he was on the inside, what, in the Remsen? But, I mean, that was, a, what, an eight-horse field. I mean, this is a completely different animal. Um, in terms of horses that I thought were in fantastic places, Zandon obviously gets the 10 I love where Charge It is, and I gotta be honest, guys. I've been a Charge It fan for a long time, including on Florida Derby Day when I when we had the live show. I'm upgrading Charge It based on the uh, post position. Crown Pride, I thought, real well uh, post as well. Uh, Paul of the outside horses, 11 through 20. Anyone that you were, do you think has an actual chance to hit the board that you'd possibly upgrade or downgrade based on their post positions? 
Yeah, I, I'm against Taba because uh, of the experience factor, but I think he drew a very good post uh, to be – he's not way, way outside, but he is outside most of the other speed. Um, so I, I, I think Taba definitely benefited from the post. As I say, you know, he's in his third career start going from six furlongs to nine to ten. He's going to beat me, and I'll go down in flames. It's happened before, so it won't be – that big of a adjustment for me, but uh, post the, uh, the, uh, Paul, the, the millennium force, Ronald agrees. Sorry. I know we're coming up your face here. Sorry about that. But Ronald, thanks for joining the show. We got a lot of new people. I'm so excited. We have so many new viewers joining the show. Uh, millennium force, Ronald. Thanks. He, he agrees with you. He thinks uh tape also got a good post. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I was going to say, clearly, it's the addition of the co-hosts, which are leading to the new viewers. Oh, I mean, listen, there's no question. <laughs> is there any doubt about it, that? It's, Obviously. Perhaps it's not even debatable. Um, it's one uh, let, Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, White Barrio also got nine. 15 is fine. And and Paul yeah. and, and Pete, let, let's show something. And I want to give full credit to Pete Visco on this. I'm going to go full screen. And again, we could talk about this for hours, Pete, but we don't have the time for that. Pete, since you're the one that sent this to me, I'm going to let you – briefly talk about it. hopefully it's big enough i yeah you can you can, i mean i could see it on the screen pretty i can well. make it a little bigger but then it's going to cut no i think that's good right there pete uh very quickly tell everyone what they're seeing and and talk about anything you want very very briefly on this uh spreadsheet please actually are you able to refresh this page real quick because there's a there's another column in there but i'll talk quickly so basically this is just the uh, I just said didn't refresh it. You mean it's too? It's no, too never small. mind. It didn't. No, never mind. It it didn't take for some reason. But I added the horses from this year to for easier reference. But um. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So basically, this is just the historic post position results. So if you see, I mean, you see the obviously the post position, and you see the wins, the number of wins, the win percentage, the in the money finishes, and the in the in the money percentage, and then most recent winner, which is actually is a cool one, just because you could see when the last time. A horse yeah. won from that post, which which some of these you're like, man, I don't, I don't. If I landed on that horse, I'm not too excited. If I have White Abario, I'm like, well, or no, no, sorry, is it the 14 there? So um, White Abario's yeah. in the 14, but or 15, but yeah, you just can just some reference to say here's the historic. I mean, again, the funny thing is it's not completely accurate because if you look at yeah. the one, the one doesn't look as terrible as it's become. So as the fields got bigger over the years, the one has become a lot worse. And obviously like the, the 20, we haven't had that many. So yeah, I think you it's wanna, a good reference focus, point though. You definitely yeah. want to focus on the percentages, not the number of wins because yes, for sure. As Pete for just sure. said, as the Derby fields got bigger uh, or as they were smaller, obviously the first 10 posts are going to be higher than number of wins. Um, I want to go to another um, tab here. Um, here are some trends. Uh, Pete, go ahead. You can speak about this. This is, again, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but the best and worst uh, historically uh, wins and in the money based on post positions. Yeah. And for the viewers and listeners, we can also throw this link in the under the YouTube page just so so everyone can access it. But yeah, this was basically a quick look to say, OK, what are the best post positions historically for wins? So the 5, 10 and the 15 had the highest percentages the best buy in the money. Cause again, a lot of these, they may not be great wins, but we're, a lot of us are looking for vertical hits here as well. So you want to see, okay, is my, is yeah. my horse drawn into a position where they're, they're more than likely or less than likely to hit the board. And then the same thing with the worst. I mean, obviously if you have the 17, zero, so it's one of those where, yeah. I mean, that's a, you're just, you're sort of, you're sort of, 
bitten, but you're like, maybe one time it's going to hit. Cause I don't know. It's no, no debt, not that much different than the 18, 19 and 20 and they've won, but still just historically, you have to look back and see if it, if it helps you or hurts you, or just gives you some clues, another data point for your handicapping. And I thought if you go down that one, if you scroll just one down to that one there, the, the one that was interesting was the, uh, where was it? Yeah, the, the good wins, bad in the money, and the good in the money, bad wins. I thought those were a little interesting because they just were, you know, it might be a bit of an anomaly, but you look at it and go, the 15 hole doesn't, you know, it wins, but look at how many in the monies. Out of the nine in the money, six are wins. The other three out of 60 starts didn't hit the board. Yeah. No idea why that's the case. I'm assuming it has to do with who the horses were. But it's still in it. Oh, by the way, authentic. I'm wearing an authentic shirt. Not one of, you know, for that. But I do think this is just useful information. Again, everything's a data point at this point. As a math guy. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead, Paul. uh, One thing I think it's important to remember, and we know that these fields expanded, say, what, in the last 20, 25 years. The difference when they had, once they got over 14 horses and have to use an auxiliary gate. There's, yeah. It's not an accident that the 14 and 15 show up in these stats. Yep. The first gate was 14 horses, and then there was a gap because the second gate started with number 15. Yeah. Horses run to open spaces. Yeah. So that 15 horse invariably is going to go left, everything being equal, which could explain at least part of the reason why the 14 hasn't won in 50 years, 60 years. Um It also explains, I think, part of the reason why the 15 has been in a good position. You you have only five horses on your right, and you basically have the equivalent of at least one open gate on your left. Now, all that's no longer a factor, but I think it it leads at least in part to these statistics. Well, what I glean from this, and again, uh, and I'm going to show one more thing as well, and all cred to Pete Bisco for saying this. I mean, you don't want to be the one or two and you don't want to be 19 or 20, but I mean, other than, you know, 18, 19 or 20, I mean, the, the worst post position in the money is, you know, includes 17, but then one of the best ones is 15 by win. So again, I think we're, and, and Paul just talked about why we're splitting hairs a bit. Um, I think it's a very interesting uh, information to look at, but basically I think it's fair to say you don't want to be in one or two, even with the new gate, probably, and you don't want to be 18, 19, 20, I think it's pretty fair to say. Now, Pete, this was fantastic. I really enjoyed this. Please, exp- I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but please explain what everyone is seeing here. Yeah, the one thing I was looking at is because we always talk about, hey, since the since we went to the point system. So if you look at the at the section on the right there where the actual horses and results are. We always talk about, oh, speed, speed wins the Kentucky Derby. Speed wins the Kentucky Derby. You have to be first or second. And that's all well and good if you're trying to pick your winner. And I'm not saying I disagree with that at all. I think you have to be close just from the nature of the race. But again, if we're, a lot of us are playing verticals, the big hits are potentially the triple, the super. So I wanted to take a look and say, well, okay, since we went to the point system, what does it look like for all the horses? Where were they at each point of call? And then where were they in, in terms of who the winner was, but also who filled out the super? And if you look, and, and Howard's got his cursor sort of scrolling around, I mean, you're looking, you get close, you get horses that were in the back and you don't have to be you don't have to be super tactical and up close but you have to make a move so if you look at the mile at the mile hit 
they start to get a little closer. You don't see too many double digits at the mile yeah. pole and you see yeah. none in the, in the, when they hit the stretch. Um, yeah. But you have to, you don't have to automatically have broken. Well, had to, I mean, obviously you have to break decent, but you don't have to be up close to hit the board. And I think that's key for all of us. Now, I, some of the stats I did on the left, again, if we send this out, I did some from prior to, even though orb was the first year with the point system, he yeah. closed like a freight train. They all closed in that race. So there he is right there. Yeah. That one sort of, as, as the math people would say, that one sort of skews the data a little bit. So yeah. from 2014 and forward is when sort of the winner I, was up close, but then, you know, the closers have hit the board for sure. I think the, the one, uh, and again, really appreciate this. And as a math guy, I love this beat. This where I'm rare. If you guys can see my cursor where I'm looking right now, I think for me, that's the best one to look at. This average since 2014 when they changed the point system. What this, I don't think you have to be a math teacher to understand this, but what this tells me is the winner is usually, usually has been somewhat up close to the pace. And Jim Pilar's, I know, has mentioned this uh, before on previous shows. However, as Pete and Paul just said, look at who finishes on average second, third, and fourth. These are closers. So in general, if you're going to be a speed horse, you have to be a really good speed horse uh, who can get the distance. Otherwise, you fade. I think that that's sort of what I glean from this the most. Uh, Pete, uh, Paul, anything else you want to talk about as you – I think you're looking at this the first time, Paul. Anything that stands out to you before we move on here? As a matter of fact, Howard, Peter sent this to us earlier today, and I did take a look at it. So I'm looking at it for the second time. Okay. So diligent. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why uh, horses aren't coming from the clouds to win, well, there's two reasons, right? One, the, the you know, with the, the point system has led to, you know, the Trinibergs of the world not getting in the race. Yeah. Um, but two, you know, you got to remember, even if you're, even if a horse is getting tired up front, you know, how hard is a horse going to be coming in the last eighth of a mile having never run that far before? You know, it's, it's one thing to, to, to say, okay, he's a big closer, but you know, how much is anyone going to have left in the tank in the last eighth, never having run a mile and a quarter before we know a few of them are right. Because yeah. someone's going to get it, but uh, it, it's, it's kind of like the Belmont. The, the biggest misnomer ever is you need to be a big closer to win the Belmont. That's the all time worst betting angle in the, history of betting angles okay because <laughs> who the hell is coming with a lot of steam after running a mile and a quarter so um i do think though you're right howard uh and pete those underneath spots uh are where you, you are looking for those horses and i'm <laughs> i'm looking at this uh pace projector howard i did see that earlier today and i'm with you on zandon and uh, boy i hope this is wrong i, I don't care how i the pace i have to I say Listen, I love Timeform US. Craig Milkowski, who runs Timeform US, put this out on, on Twitter. I love seeing this because I don't usually get the actual uh, pace projectors. I just look at the early Timeform. Um, if you're a fan of Zandon, Paul, I couldn't agree with you more. You better hope the hell that they are wrong because I, as good as Zandon is, he, he cannot possibly win this race from last. I just I don't see that happening. And I'm going to respectfully disagree a little bit. And it's that's probably stupid for me to say because – um, time form does a fantastic job and they look at, they look at these numbers in great detail. I have been a firm believer all along 
that Zanin is not some dead closer. He got shuffled back in the bluegrass. He was not – he got shuffled back to last. He was more mid-pack in the bluegrass. Go watch that race. So, I mean, the Remsen was a very slowly run race early in general. And then he didn't break great in the fairgrounds race. So, I, I, I disagree. If Zanin's in last, you know, at, at, the, at the first turn, forget it. I, I just don't see that happening. But I, I do think they're going to try to use a little bit more early speed on Zandon. And I just have never seen as an absolute dead closer. Mo Donegal, to me, is a dead closer. Zandon, to me, is not. That's just my opinion. Maybe this pace projector is going to be correct. Pete, any final thoughts before we get into the uh, bottom 10 or the highest odd odds horses in the Derby based on the morning lines? No, let's do it. All right, very good. Let's go ahead and uh, move ahead. Uh, before, actually, there's one more thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to, real quick, if anyone's interested in donating to the channel, there is a donate button here in the top right-hand corner, as you can see. So if you want to take care of our co-hosts or you know help us make some improvements with the show, uh, right there, there's a donate button. Or if you if you cashed a nice ticket based on the race day blog or the podcast pool, up here, there is a donate button. I also want to show... If you go ahead on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, and you want to listen, there is a support button. You just press the support button, and you can become a supporter of the show and make a, a small donation. Any donation at all to the show would be greatly appreciated. All right, guys, let me go ahead and stop sharing that. Let's get on to uh, the bottom 10 horses. Now, <laughs> I talked about the morning lines. I think some of these morning lines are awful in the Derby. Just my opinion. But we are gonna, we're going to have our conversation. We're going to go pretty quickly. We're going to be on, folks, for about another, I'd say, half an hour at the most. So we're going to talk literally just a, a snapshot, maybe one or two minutes, about each of the bottom ten horses. And, again, this is based on the morning line odds, ladies and gentlemen. This is not my opinion of how good they are. This is not Pete's opinion. This is not Paul's opinion of how good they are. This is strictly based on the morning line Odds. Let me go ahead and bring this up on screen here. Oh, and I think it's important to note it's not Mike Battaglia's opinion either. We let, I think no, you got to consider two things here. You got to remind people that the morning line odds maker's job is to try to predict where the horses are going to go off, not where he thinks they should go off. Correct. Two of all the races that are run in the year, this is the race the morning line means the least. In relation to the final odds, you have thousands, if not millions of people betting a horse race once a year. You're going to have horses who should be 300 to one go off at 30 to one because someone lives at that address. Their kid has that name. I, I really, I'm, that is a real factor. You'll note that's why no one is over 30 to one here. Now, I think there'll probably be a few horses over 30 to one. I agree with you there. There really should be. But the Derby is a race where horses don't go off what they should go off, especially on the high end, because people, they're betting once a year. They just don't care. They're going to bet who they want to bet. They're not handicapping, et cetera. So that's my, that's my sermon on the morning line, Howard. All right. Let, let me get this off my chest. If you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was just so fortunate that I did legitimately, legitimately, don't get me fired now, guys. That I right after the, the Derby post positions, I happened to have an open period, so I did uh, do a, a, a short filming. Um, Tis the bomb at thirty to one. I mean, fucking come on. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. There's no way that Mike Battaglia could possibly think in his right mind that Tiz the Bomb is going to be 30 to 1 on Derby Day. Tiz the Bomb is going to be like 12, 14 to 1. I mean, that's a ridiculous morning line, number one. Uh, I want to get that off my chest. And, you know, to think that Tiz the Bomb is going to be the same odds as Ethereal Road, please. That's completely, utterly ridiculous. The other one that I think was really way off is is Taba. Now, maybe the Taba love is shattered a little bit because of his workouts. People were talking a week ago that Taba might be the favorite in this race. I mean, so I think 12 to 1 is way too high. I think Taba is going to be 6 or 7 to 1. I think it's going to take a lot of money. Those two horses in particular, I've got major issues with. Pete, I'll let you vent if, if you want to on anything you saw here with the morning lines. No, nothing too big. I mean, I don't. Right. I'm not going to worry too much about. It. I thought the only thing I thought was I thought Zandon and Epicenter were low. I thought the favorite Agreed. of this race would be four to one minimum. I thought maybe they'd be co-favorites because Zandon, Zandon is getting so much love right now. But I thought that was a little low. But I could see those floating up on on Derby Day. No question. Howard, let me say this about Tiz the Bomb. If anyone wants to bet him a 10 to 1 or 12 to 1, would you give them my home number, my email, my fax number, my home address? Okay, because that horse, in my opinion, on if they are still running this on dirt, this is still on dirt, right, this race? I they didn't change it, it? I believe okay. it is, yes. Well, <laughs> I agree with you. He has a much better shot at Ethereal Road. I think he has very little shot to win the race. All right, well, we're going to talk about Very, very low. We're going to talk about Tis the Bomb. Specifically. Let's let's get into the horses, guys. Uh, I thought there was one thing I wanted to show, but actually there is not. Okay, let's talk about – by the way, well, we'll, we'll I'll wait when we – all right, here, here we go now. So for everyone at home uh, listening tonight, again, thanks for listening. Uh, we are not going by – we're going to go by post-position odds based uh, – sorry, we're going to go by morning line odds by post-position. So these are the 30-to-1 horses – Again, we're not saying any of these horses are better and worse than others. And we're going to be pretty pretty brief here. Let me go ahead and make this a little bigger for everyone here. All right. So we're, these are the 30-to-1 shots. And very briefly, uh, guys, we'll just alternate. Pete will go first, then Paul will go first, then I'll go first, etc. Uh, Pete, you're first. What do you think of Happy Jack, 30-to-1? Not too much. I thought figures were figures were kind of light. I, I realized hasn't finished ahead of anyone of consequence, especially no one else in this race, which I don't I don't see as a positive. Uh, runs from sort of off, but doesn't doesn't have the closing kick of some of the better closers in it. Two things I noticed that I wanted to point out: it's got a 440 Tomlinson rating, which if Ooh. it does come up wet, then Ooh. maybe that means something. Yeah, if you want to point that out for the. Yeah, I, I was you, to... you, you stole my thunder. It's right up there. Oh, yep, sorry. Right. There you go. By the way, I think the second best or third best Tomlinson in the race for wet. Yeah, go and ahead. I didn't look I didn't look at him for the, the other ten yet. So I only looked at the at no the bottom problem. ten. And then the only other thing, just to go back to our post position discussion, was the two post is the second best in the money in terms of percentage, but hasn't hit the board since 2013. So I just wanted to point that out as like, hey, some of these statistics don't look at them at at, at surface level. Maybe you dig a little bit deeper underneath because they may have skewed over the years. Uh Paul, you've got a taker from Raymond at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Any thoughts, Paul? <laughs> I, I, I'll take you'll I'm take looking, that one up, Paul. I'm trying to figure this out, is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, thoughts, well, he Paul? Yeah, he, yeah, at Del Mar, he ran on turf. 
He ran, yes, he did. He, he ran second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Yeah, it's a modern games. So I'm I'm happy for Raymond's free bet, but it doesn't hurt my point that the horse is not going to win right. this on dirt. <laughs> I just just thought it. Well, we'll 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 get to we'll, we'll get to Tis the Bomb. He's in, on this list. Very quickly, Paul. Happy Jack. Anything you want to add at all? Oh no, I'm with Pete. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, you're not going to win this race coming off an 83 buyer. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, I have nothing to say about Happy Jack other than blinkers off and might like the mud. Way, way, way too slow. Frankly, there's no business being in the race. Hey, Howard, can go. I just say to to my dad, if he's watching, uh, I know you're going to put some money on this. My son's name is Jackson, so any any variation of Jack Jackson, he he bets. So huh. you, there's going to be at least some money from the Visco family going down the tubes on this one. All right. Well, hello to <laughs> you Jackson. My, you're making my point, Pete, about the odds. <laughs> Jackson, if you ever if you listen to this from from Howard, the the uh, the. the Guy who began this podcast, don't listen to your dad. Bet, take your allowance and bet five, ten bucks, whatever you got, Jackson on Happy Jack, because that horse is going to win, buddy. Good luck, good luck to your namesake. All right, uh, let's move on, guys. The number four, thirty to one, Summer is tomorrow. Paul, you're first. Any thoughts on Summer is tomorrow coming in from overseas? You know, how, you know, all sprints except for that UAE Derby, and I guess we're going to find out how good this is. You know, everyone is the only horse being raved about more in the mornings and Zandon is crown pride of, I have to, every morning I have to listen to the enthralled announcers about him doing his figure eights behind the gate. Who the hell yeah. cares what he's doing behind the <laughs> gate? Um, but I, having said that for his first race uh, for this horse, first time going long, you know, I don't know what else was in that race. Um, but do I like him here? No, I think he's a, he's probably going to go the lead. And I think if you're the other horses, you make believe he's not in the race. Pete, if you like Crown Pride, you have to like Summers tomorrow. Well, you say that, but I actually I, I don't. But I actually do think this is the kind of horse that, again, if that Crown Pride Summers tomorrow UAE Derby form holds the way it looks like Crown Pride's been working in the morning, then that I do like this horse potentially to hit the board. I, I don't know if I'd have him on my tickets, maybe like in the you know the third or fourth spot as a flyer. But my my thing would be. I like that. I like that he's in the race because I like a little bit more speed. Again, I want some speed up front. I don't want, I want as hot of a pace as possible. So I like that this horse is here. I hope he breaks well. And I hope he, I hope he goes to the front. I'm just noticing the number of people. I am so enthralled and happy. Please make sure you subscribe bottom right side of the screen. We've got a record number of people guys right now watching the show in, in its entire history. Thank you very much. And please check out our shows. The next three nights as well and if you're interested in the in any of the promotions look below the screen uh guys summers tomorrow would be a great candidate for me to finish last <laughs> i think he's going to show a lot of speed i think he's going to drop anchor on the turn and i think this horse could very easily finish last pete visco i love you and respect you if you think this horse can finish third and fourth i think you are effing out of your mind well how about again, that pete I, take that mr 6200 pick five guy <laughs> you, know, you know i don't <laughs> care i mean i probably again <laughs> This will be this will be probably if I hit the all button in the third or fourth spot of a triple okay. or a super, then I'll well, be rooting for this horse to to hit the board. Well, rumor has it there's a big one dollar superfecta bet being played That's by uh, the pocket. So you would you would throw him in underneath in the superfecta bet, wouldn't you? Well, no, not if I was limiting the horses, probably. But if I was if oh, I was okay. going, you know, it depends how All spread. Right. I mean, I can't. It's All hard right. to build that ticket. Can I say one thing to a commenter, Charles B? Yeah, real quick, that, and then I want to move on, please. Is yeah, it this sure. One? 
Tis the bomb broke his maiden by 14. The only thing you want to look at for some of the, some of the other listeners is that was an off the turf race too. So you're not going yep. against natural dirt horses. Yep. So not that that wasn't impressive. And I love tis the bomb as a horse, but just want to well, keep an eye on something like that. Listen, ahead, Howard, th- this has been the buzz horse of this entire show. Let's just get, let's get right to him right now. Uh, all right, here we go, guys. Here's the PPs. I'm going to go first because we're alternating and it's my turn to go first. Let me say this about tis the bomb. This uh, there's about two horses in this race that I honestly am not 100% sure what to do with. And this is one of them. Paul, I hear everything you're saying, but I, I will say a few quick things briefly. When he broke that maiden, uh, when he won by 14 and Pete was right, this horse took zero kickback. He had the he just he was uh, on the lead on the rail, took zero kickback. And McPeak has actually said he's got to get this horse out of the kickback. I mean, he said it. This is from the trainer. So, you know, if it's however, they also said that if he uh, if it's wet, that might move this horse up. I think he's talented. And I don't know if he's the next Animal Kingdom. I mean, that, that's the comparison people are making because Animal Kingdom was supposedly a turf horse too. And turf horses can run on at Churchill. Of all the dirt tracks in the country, Churchill is one of the few tracks where turf horses can run well. Barbaro had high knee carriage. Um, Animal Kingdom won. So all things being equal, if Tizabam is going to run well, Paul, on a dirt track, I think Keelan is the one. My problem is when he took dirt in the Holy Bowl, it was a complete disaster when he took dirt in his face. Um, and, and so I have misgivings. However, in my opinion, and, and Paul, I'll let you comment first. I really feel like this might be a pace meltdown on Saturday. I know that goes against everything people have been seeing. It goes against what Pete showed. I just think there's a lot of speed in this race, and I have a gut feeling this horse can clunk up and be in the money. Paul, you're, I guess you've already expressed your misgivings on Tis the Bomb. Well, again, you know, Pete points out the race at Ellis, they didn't want to run him on dirt. They ran him on dirt against six horses who presumably they all wanted to run on turf. He went off at three to five, so he's supposed to win the race. And, and his other dirt stats, he is, his uh, debut at Churchill, seventh of eight. And what about the Holy Bull? The Holy Bull on dirt at Gulfstream with three horses who are in this race. Yeah. He's 20 Disaster. lengths back. Yeah. Now, that was it. his first start of the year. We can it give was. him, you know, again, I, I don't hate the horse, but yeah. I think the horse, you know, at 30 to 1, I guess he's not going to be over bet. I don't think he's going to go 30 to 1, Howard. I think you're right. I think this line yeah. is off a little. Um you know, people are going to see the five wins. People love ones in that right-hand column. Yeah, they They're do. going to see five wins. All those people I talked about earlier, the once-a-year folks, they don't know what those little T's in the circle mean or the little A's. They're just going to see wins. And uh, I don't like them. Pete, any quick thoughts on Tis the Bob, and then I'll end my Tis the Bob discussion. No, I think he's been he's been working well on the dirt, which – for what that means. I don't know if it means something one way or the other. I'm with you about potentially clunking up. I mean, you never know. Turf horses has done, you know, Patio Prado got in. Patio Prado was a, was a turf horse and actually made a move. And so I think, I think you never know, but I, it's a talented enough horse. So it's not like it's a, it's a bum who's yeah. used to riding on the turf or synthetic coming to this. It's a really talented horse. I'd rather just see him on the turf. Cause I think that's what he's going to be top notch at once he gets to it. I'm not 100% with the distance either, but listen, the horse is improving. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think he can win, but I would not be – I might be using him in second in my supers. I, I really – I know it – boy, it goes against some things I believe, but I just think this is a very talented horse. I think he's one of the more talented horses in this race. And if he can, you know, handle the dirt or whatever the scenario arises, I think he's – I think he's interesting. I really do. Uh, let's go to Pioneer. Howard, quickly, just one last thing on him. There was an interesting workout scenario the other day when Smile Happy and Tis the Bomb were supposed to work together, and they ended up working well apart. Uh, Smile Happy uh, ended up being like five lengths in front of him, uh, but galloped out a lot better. I think they both went in about 48. Um, but it was just one of those Ken McPeak didn't seem that happy that things did not exactly go according to plan. He wanted to work them together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pete, Pioneer, Medina, a, a late entry here. Blinkers off, Pletcher, Joe Bravo. Uh, any thoughts here? I got another. Just want to – these are still 31 horses. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought this horse, it just it's, – it's, again, I think we talked about him a little bit before, but I, he's been working really well. He could sit a decent trip. I mean, if he gets – if he gets first run, he could be one of those horses that gets first run and then maybe gets gobbled up. I don't like him on the top by any means. But again, if he's for third or fourth, if he's the horse that sort of sits off the speed, I mean, he's really tactical. So if he sits off of it and can and can get a trip and work a trip out and then get like that first run at the leaders, but then not be good enough, but still everyone else behind just isn't catching up except for the, the top horses who run maybe one, two, then I think this one could hit three or four. The only other thing I thought, the 11 post hadn't been historically good, but it's hit the board three times since 2016. So, again, you look at those post position numbers and there's some there's always uh, alternative aspects that you could see in in more recent races. But, yeah, to me, it's a it's another one potentially in the third or fourth spot. Paul. You know, I have mixed feelings about this horse, Howard. He missed the work on Friday the 22nd. They ended up working him, I think, a few days later. I'm really big with the Derby on everything going perfectly if you're going to win the thing. Um, worked with Chargett. He was second best. Galloped out pretty well. Um, overall, it was a pretty decent work for both of them. They they went 59-3, uh, and three, I believe. Uh, he is going to be an underneath play for me. Um, if the race flow is how you think it's going to be, Howard, um, I, I like him less. Uh, I, I think his chances to kind of be a little tactical, be in contention early, not on the lead, but around and, and kind of hang around for a piece as opposed to clunk up for a piece. I 100% completely agree with Jim's comment here. Um, I get that's factual, but I'm talking about the past for me. Guys, I'm completely against this horse. I just – and by the way, um, I'm trying to remember who this was on Twitter. Someone I respect, Ed DeRosa, who I, I respect Ed DeRosa. I think he's excellent. He had this horse, like, ranked, like, second in his Yeah, behind Tis the, behind Tis the behind Bomb. Behind Tis the no. Bomb. Yeah, Tis <laughs> so, the Bomb won. Yeah. And listen, I mean, he's been, in, he's been in, in the spotlight longer than I have in terms of, you know, on TV and whatever. So I'm not going to – and I like Ed. He's been on the show. Uh, I, I don't I don't get this horse at all. Okay, if it, I think it's gonna be a fast pace, or at least an honest pace, this horse can't pass you or me. And now he's facing uh, some you know some monster closers. And I, I don't I don't think this horse will be in my superfecta at all. I think this is one of the few horses I think may not even be in the top four. I, I don't get the love for this horse. Uh, there is a little bit of love out there. People see you know first, third, fourth. He was getting perfect trips, uh, and this is gonna be a completely different scenario. So. 
I'm totally against Pioneer Medina, in, in my opinion. Um, let's move on, guys. The next 30-to-1 horse is Barber Road. Paul, you get to go first as a horse coming in from Oaklawn Park, which, frankly, was sort of a weak circuit uh, this year for the Derby Preps. It was. Uh, there was no doubt it was. There was no doubt that I'm partial to our friend Ray Lou. There is no doubt that him getting up for second in the Arkansas Derby helped me greatly because I liked Cyber Knight and the exact exact was much better with Barber Road. So having said all of that, I am definitely using the horse underneath. You know, 88 as a top buyer, he's got to jump up. He's he's training pretty well. He, in my opinion, fits that profile that Pete uh, that we all were, but led by Pete, were talking about. I do believe he is the long shot who will be running late, who can, can come in and get in the trier super. I really do. Pete? Yeah, it's a funny one because I, I, on, on everything that you look at, I don't necessarily like the horse. You have to, I feel like you have to at least hit the 90 buyer number to, to be a threat. And then this horse hasn't beat any other horse in this race. So no matter where they, where he landed and he's a horse who's run second, third, second, and he hasn't, as long as I looked second, third, second, second this year and he still hasn't beaten another derby horse so to me that means the level of competition behind him hasn't been that good so but again he's one of those he just tries he always runs his race i just have a feeling he's going to be the one who sort of gets shuffled back closes for like 12th and you're like hey you know what maybe i'll bet him next time out he was flying at the end which which i've done a million times but i mean again if he hit the board i wouldn't be shocked so it, it's one of those where I just don't know with some of these closers. They just seem too slow. But if everybody's dying at the end, maybe he clunks up for fourth. Um, I like this horse five times better than Pioneer Medina. How's that? And I'll tell you why. Only because of the pace flow. I mean, we just looked at that spreadsheet. How many horses that looked like dead closers were coming from the back and clunk up for third and fourth? If there's a fast pace, I don't think there's no denying this is one of the better closers in the race. Now, he's a lot slower than Mo Donegal and Zandon, and you can name them. But I just don't see a lot of horses that can make major moves in the stretch. And I think this is one of them. I, if the pace is quick, and if Raylu gets the right ride, I'm using him I'm using him in the super, guys. For fourth, for sure. Maybe third. It's going to depend on my ticket instruction. I think this is the bomb that could sort of clunk up and get the money in the super. I really do. I'm not a fan of this horse in general. I just have a gut feeling that Saturday is going to be a great scenario for Barber Road. Not only that, he's been sort of getting – he's been inside too much. I think if this horse wants to get to the outside, if he's on the outside, I think he's got a great shot um, to, to um, you know, to get in the money. I mean, like that the Rebel race, which, we're not, again, we're not going to get into great detail. That was a weird ride in the Rebel where he sort of had to veer to the inside and come between horses. If Rayleigh just keeps him out wide and the race falls apart – this horse is going to be coming late, I think, maybe for third or fourth. Um, all right, next one, guys. Again, we've got five more horses to go, and we're <laughs> it's already 9.15, but what the hell? Who cares? We'll, we'll, we'll go through a little more quicker, guys. Um, we have a lot of people watching. I don't think they care at all. I personally don't care either. So thanks again for watching. Next 30 to 1 is Classic Causeway, a late decision by uh, trainer Brian Lynch and Connections to go. I think this is me who's next. I hate Classic Causeway. He shouldn't be in this race. All he's going to do is make sure the pace is faster. Uh, Pete, any thoughts? 
Nope. I love him in the race because I think it adds a little bit of speed, but I think he's going to die just like you talked about summer is tomorrow. So not too much. I like him in the race. Hopefully he breaks well because if he doesn't go, then it causes some problems in terms of pace. So I'm hoping he breaks well, which he normally does. Plus he also drew the 17, which is the worst post out of, out of all of them. So nope for me. He's got to go. I mean, Lepereau is not exactly a speed jock, but he has to go. Paul, anything you wanted to say about Classic Causeway at all? We talked about it last week, Howard. Uh, yeah. I think this was the horse, right, where the the owners are in their yeah. 80s. They, yeah, they yeah, want to yeah, go yeah. to the dirt. Brian Lynch, Brian Lynch wasn't going to run this horse. He yep. said that he was he was off the list until a week ago. So and By again, the way, I, sorry, due to the owners, I think there's even a better chance this horse could set the pace at like 45 and one, like 22 and 45. They just want to hear their name called. I mean, this yeah, is... except if you were thinking of logical jockeys to do that, uh, Mr. Julian Leperu would not be a roll off your, your well, tongue right away. I got to be honest. All the good. I mean, who do you want? Uh, Carmouche? I mean, I, I, there's who else are you going to put on this horse? I don't know. Anyway, no, no, I'm let's... just saying. But no, no, if I hear you. Look, Looking for a guy to take him to the lead, I would absolutely <laughs> want Kamucha on. I don't yes. know if he's going to have a choice. I think Classic Causeway is going to take Leperu to the lead. I don't know if he's going to have much of yeah. a choice. Uh, Tawny Port, Pete, this is an interesting horse. Um, he's been running a lot lately. He had to run in Lexington just to get in. Um, has a lot of um, you know running lines here with some of the top horses. Ran in the Risen Star really not that bad to three really nice horses. And then almost beat Tis the Bomb um, at the at the Jeff Ruby Stakes Stakes. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not he's a horse. When you watch him in the Lexington, you're like, hey, maybe this horse is pretty decent on dirt. Maybe he will have a shot. I mean, the figure didn't come back great, eighty nine, but he he just looked good. He's got he's got Brad Cox on him, so that that's a positive. Obviously, the only thing is the he didn't the draw didn't help him at all. I think the I, I think the the outside post is really going to hurt him. So. He's one where I'm probably going to leave him off again. If he if he sort of clunked his way up into the into the fourth spot, it wouldn't shock me. But he's going to have to do it off my ticket most likely. Paul, I think his post position is fairly indicative of where he will finish. <laughs> I think that is a great way to describe it. I mean, he is a closer, but the, the, this frequent running line is just—I'm not a fan. I, I think. You know, again, if the pace is really fast, they can cluck up for 10th, 11th, 12th. There's no chance. I highly doubt I'm using this horse in my top four at all. Uh, but but congratulations to the connections for getting this horse into the Derby. All right. The last 30 to one shot here is Ethereal Road. I don't think we have talked too much about this horse either. Paul, I think you're first up. Do you want to say anything about uh, D. Wayne uh, getting a late entry in here? Well, you know he was, you know he wasn't going to turn it down, Howard. Uh, no, hell no. Fiftieth Derby starter, and uh, God love him. He's he's yeah. uh, eighty six, I think, and he's getting on horses at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting up to watch the Derby show uh, on Facebook. So uh, I'll tip my uh, hat to the coach, but uh, this horse should be a hundred and fifty to one in this race. Pete, agree. I don't, I don't, I don't see much. I think the twenty hole really killed him. He's either going to have to drop back to last, or he's going to be hung a thousand wide at some point. And his figures are his figures are terrible. Lucas is terrible in graded stakes races, and he's the only horse he beat was Barber Road, and Barber Road probably should have beat him in that race if he would have if he would have got a better trip. So the only here's, horse in the field. Here's so. my thought: 
let's go on to the next horse. Everyone. Yep. We've got two, we've got two horses left to talk about tonight. Again, thanks everyone for watching the next horse we're talking about. We're now moving into the 20 to one. Again, these are the 20 to one morning line horses. And uh, there are many of them, but I just made a decision tonight. We only have, we're only talking about two of them. And I will say, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. These are the worst two 20 to one shots in my opinion that we're going to talk about tonight. The first one is cyber knife. I'm going to go first. Um, Simon and I put it all together last time. I was surprised that he won the Arkansas Derby. The bottom line is everything in Arkansas and in Oakland has been slow um, this uh, this Derby trail. So I'm really not a big fan. I suppose that he can improve. Uh, from what I understand, he is working well. At the most, I would probably use him you know, in fourth, maybe third, because he is improving, and I respect Brad Cox. But he is uh, slow right now. Uh, Pete, thoughts on Cyberknife? You know, I don't, I don't dislike him as much as I, as I thought I would. I feel like he's actually improving. I think the Lecomte, I don't know. That was just a, that was just a clunker. It doesn't fit with everything else on the form. So maybe that was just the outlier. And the, the last two races are getting a little closer to what his form is. Again, I don't, I'm yeah. not looking at him as a, as a win candidate, but again, he's Brad Cox. He's got Giroux. He's a gun runner horse. He's been working well. His figures are improving. At least he's at least he's gotten into the 90s. The 16 hole hits the board, so it's not like the 16 is a detriment generally. And he does work. You know, he he seems like if he can get that trip. See, I think what hurt him in the Lecomte was he was further back. I think he if he could somehow, and it's going to be tough from that post, but if he could somehow work the stalking trip and get closer then I think he has a shot to make a little bit of noise. Again, he wouldn't be on my top line for sure. Most likely not the second line, but again, I don't, I don't dislike him as much as I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, they have been working well, but I've cautioned everyone. I mean, they're all going to be working well in general. He is improving. I, I think he's a little bit interesting underneath. Uh, Paul, you have the final say on cyber night before we talk about our last horse of the night. Yeah, he is on my second line. Howard, I agree with you about Arkansas. I, I think it was, uh, it was not the road this year. Um, but he had a, a, a really good five furlong working company with Zozos on Saturday, 59 and four. He went out 111 and one. Um, I, I think he could get a decent trip. Uh, you know, do I think he's going to win the race? No. Do I love him to finish in the exactor trifecta? No, but uh, if I use three or four horses for second, he's going to be one of them. And he'll oh. beat Tis the Bomb by about. Eight or nine lengths, at least. <laughs> Whoa, easy now. Wait, you have Cyberknife as high as second place in this race, have you just said? I'm gonna. I think at this point, yeah. With with four days wow. to go, he's on my number two line. Wow. Okay. Uh, last horse I want to talk about is a horse that actually I touted uh, to Matt Bernier for the first time. If you if you go back and watch my Matt Bernier on the show, listen, he's been a very busy guy. He's got some exciting family stuff coming up that I won't mention in detail. And I, I, when he was on my show, we rattled through the last Kentucky Derby preps. And I mentioned Zozos and he's like, who's Zozos? I said, this is an up and coming for Brad Cox. Uh, listen, running second up in center. I don't see how you can, you know, uh, say anything negative about that. He, the race that he won before that uh, won by 10. Uh, the post is a real big problem here. And he also, I just don't see him getting close to the lead. I think this horse has a nice future as a, possibly for me as a like miler i think this is a very talented horse 
this is a horrible spot. Pete, your thoughts on Zozos? Yeah, I thought I, he was one I was warming up to. Again, I'm not sure about the win, but I was warming up to him. And then when the post came, I, I wrote in my I wrote in my notes, 19 hole was probably a death sentence. So especially from an inexperienced horse, I mean, he's he's got three runs. Only one of them was in, you know, really good company. And now he's got to come from the 19 against against some of the best horses in his class that I think it's going to be really tough for him. So he's he's pretty much a, he's, I don't know if he's a toss toss, but I think he'd probably be closer to a toss for me. Although again, if it comes up wet, he's a spites town, which is, which is pretty good. Munnings yeah. Yeah. 436 Tomlinson. Actually, I, I don't want to forget to mention this cyber knife. When we were looking at Tomlinson figures, he has a 480 as well. So maybe if it comes up he's, wet for him, he's never run on the wet, but I just didn't want to forget to throw that out there. He's actually the highest Tomlinson in this yeah. field. Just and let I, everyone I know. totally forgot that. So, yeah. you know, Paul, if it does come up wet, uh, you know, I, I, you have to at least think about upgrading Cyberknife. Uh, thoughts on Zozo's, Paul? Well, I think poor Manny Franco drew the 14 out of 14 in the Oaks and the 19 <laughs> out of 20 in the Derby. Uh, Manny's a good kid, uh, but those are two, two tough draws. And, uh, you know, he did finish second to Epicenter. You know, he had the two in the nine-horse field, and he was able to go right to the lead. You know, you're on, you really have to use him early from the 19. And, you know, I mean, you figure he's going to go anyway, but you have no choice in the matter. And um, I, uh, I will probably keep him around in the super because um, I, like Pete, he originally my plan was to use him somehow underneath. I might still keep him in third just cause he's going to be 50 to one, but um, I, I don't think this is a good spot for him. I, I for me guys, he's pretty much going to be a toss. I, I know people see the 98 and finish second to epicenter, but that was the absolute maximum best situation. He had, he had the two hole. He went to the lead. It wasn't that fast. Like if you're going to ask a horse to run their very, very best, that was his very, very best. This is a 180 degree difference from that race in terms of race flow, post position, talent, like, I mean, everything. So I actually think he might take a little sneaky money because people see the 98 buyer and the second to epicenter. But for me, this is exactly the kind of horse that you, you don't play because of all the reasons uh, that I mentioned. Plus, Guys, I thought, it's been a, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I thought, Epi, I thought that was the race where they were trying to test Epicenter to come mm-hmm. off a little bit too. So he sort of toyed yeah. with them and they, they sort of wanted him not on the lead. So I think it even made it, made it look a little better, but go ahead, Howard. Sorry. No guys, as we end the show, I want to just, again, thank everyone for joining us uh, tonight. We have three more big shows coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll probably be our shortest show of the three. We'll probably just go about one hour. We're going to talk in detail about the top 10 horses in this derby uh, by the morning line. So basically every horse that we did not talk about tonight, we're going to talk about tomorrow. And then of course, Wednesday and Thursday, we have some great expert handicappers as uh, in addition, of course, to my co-hosts coming in to talk about the Oaks day and Derby day. Pete, I'm going to let you have the final thought and then we'll go to Paul and then we'll end the show. Pete, any final thoughts about anything we talked about today? Uh, Post positions, weather, uh, morning lines, anything you just want to add? No, I just want to say I hope the weather holds off because I hate when a big day is ruined by bad weather. So just rooting for that. And post position draw day, Derby week, how could you not be more excited for that? Paul? Yeah, I I think it's a great week. You know, I think from a pure handicapping point of view, the Breeders' Cup is the the marquee event just because we have so many good, you know, 
so many top races, but the the allure of the Derby and and trying to you know figure out what these horses are going to do in a twenty horse field and you know in a lot of ways ironically it, it can become a crapshoot because of that but there is nothing better I mean I know I'm gonna I got today I worked and tomorrow and I'm looking at about a half on Wednesday and then uh, <laughs> for that reason I'm out as they say I am I'm all in I, I think it's and, I, and the Oaks card too we'll talk about Wednesday. Uh, I, I think it's two phenomenal days of racing, and uh, I, I, it's certainly one, of, uh, if not our best, our second week, week, second best week of the year in this sport that we love. Pete, will you do everyone a favor below the video player, Pete, in the comments section? Pete Viscal is going to put the link. Is that okay, Pete? The yeah, link no, I'll do that to for that sure. spreadsheet. And Pete, thanks again. I thought that was awesome. So look below the video player in the comments section. Pete will put in the link uh, to that spreadsheet that we had. Uh, for Pete Visco and for Paul Halloran, this has been Howard Kravitz episode 133 of the HHH Racing Podcast. We hope to see you tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. Make sure you subscribe. We'll see you tomorrow night. Take care, everyone. Good night.